Pixar webinar series by Design Hubs. How augmented reality and 3D are creating opportunities for digital business transformation. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, Paolo, great to have you, and thank you so much uh, for joining us. It's really, really great to, to have you part of this uh, webinar. My pleasure. Thanks for being here. All right, so I think we had like some issues with the platform, but apparently we're live. Uh, so again, Paolo, very excited to have you, and thanks so much for joining us here. Um, so maybe we can start by asking you a couple of questions. Uh, I mean, you had a tremendous career in digital transformation and in leading different companies, you know, across the whole uh, digital transformation journey. Um, so maybe we can, you can give us a quick overview on how you started and, you know, throughout your years of experience at IKEA, what were you involved in? Uh, in the beginning and how it reshaped your, your career throughout the year. Sure, sure. Thank you. Thank you, Nadine. And, and pleased to, to be here and uh, be able to share some, some of my experience. Um, yeah, I mean, I, my career is, is, uh, is very you know, long and, uh, and that's, uh, that is a, has always been with, with technology and it's uh, fast pace and faster and faster pace of transformation. So I'm, you know, for me, it's like a way of living. Uh, but indeed, in the, in the 13 years in which I worked at IKEA, I saw a real acceleration uh, of, of digital transformation and what it means. Before IKEA, I worked at uh, consumer goods companies as uh, up to the CIO level uh, for P&G, Unilever and Heineken. Uh, but IKEA as a retailer with a full value chain can actually maximize uh, the impact of digital transformation because it has access to all the data and um, it has, and, you know, in, in that capacity, we have invested a lot in uh, creating digital assets uh, in order to be able to monetize them and make them you know, available to a wider and wider range of, of customers. And that was actually a pleasure to well when we met uh, uh, design hands uh, to you know to put together uh, the different uh, different uh, competences and <clears throat> and try to develop something quick and and impactful at the same time that could uh, really transform the experience of consumers um, as and give insights to the to the company on yeah, what, uh, you know, what really technology can do in order to help uh, maximizing sales, maximizing uh, conversions, visibility of products. People want to engage with visual um, a lot more than, than text nowadays uh, because they get so much more engagement and information. Now let's stop here. Um, because of course I can talk about digital transformation forever, but perhaps uh, let me listen to your questions and, and try to try to direct me to where what you want to know. Yeah, sure. Um, so I mean, we have a very I would say um, a different audience, different category of audiences. We have uh, we have subscribers from you know from marketing from digital transformation and innovation. And we also have a lot of 3D artists here with us on the board. So I'm gonna try to ask different questions and being able to provide the most information for all the audience and really make this session the most informative uh, as possible. 
really just being able to provide uh, information and data to the audience here and make it as much uh, as informative as possible. Uh, so thank you for mentioning that. And yeah, I do remember very well uh, our interaction with IKEA when really they started uh, talking here about like IKEA KSA and Bahrain with Al Sulaiman, for example, when they started. Um, so just maybe step back, IKEA has a huge uh, department that only does 3D modeling for IKEA's products. And they, they are, I, I believe, around 2,000 employees. And they range from 3D artists to, to different, uh, you know, different uh, descript job descriptions there. Uh, having said that, having these 3D models created for IKEA, it wasn't possible for them to use these existing 3D models on the web and across their social media channels, on their e-commerce platforms and an app as well. So there was the need for, like for us basically, uh, to optimize these 3D assets for them to be used on the web as well as uh, for marketing purposes. And I, I also recall back then it was like 2020 and COVID hit, and we actually worked to optimize these 3D assets and integrate them on IKEA's e-commerce platform to enable and empower online shoppers to be able to really understand what they're buying because all the IKEA stores were closed back then. So can you a bit elaborate on that experience here and what was like the main challenges uh, for yeah. us, you know, to create and to optimize these assets and what are the key takeaways from this whole experience? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now that's a, that's a very, it's a good recollection. It's been a few, few years ago, but still, um, I think what's behind that is that when, uh, like more or less every type of asset, when they are created, uh, in the first place, uh, rarely we do think about um, how to to well, how they will be used, right? So the the format, the standards, uh, especially in, in a very fast changing uh, technological environment, um, are can become an obstacle or an enabler uh, for for sharing because there is no point in having assets that can be shared that cannot be shared internally due to different standards, definitions, compatibilities, and so on, and, and even more external. Um, and you can use, you can think of this uh, in both, let's say, the front-end value stream, so towards the consumers, but even towards suppliers, uh, more or less companies face the same problem, right? If you want to co-develop a product based on digital assets uh, or, on the, or, or digital uh, twins it's very difficult if you can't share those those assets so i, I think uh, the the selection that's one learn yeah? the selection of uh, the st standards and and uh, the the ability to bring to keep uh, whatever standards are used uh, compatible with the rest of the environment in which we operate is a key factor to cut the, the, the obstacles, the remove the obstacles to uh, utilize the assets. Um, it's a little bit like, uh, think, of, think of a physical analogy, like screwdrivers uh, or, uh, you know, the, the Allen key of IKEA, for example, right? If, if you need always a specific thing to be able to uh, you know, to turn a screw or whatever, uh, or a bolt, um, it's also of no use. You need to have you know, compatibility. And uh, 
The, the other obstacle I would say that comes to my mind is, is more organizational. So, and with all maybe the regulation behind assets, who owns them? How do we secure that they are uh, protected, that they are uh, you know, not uh, ending in the, in the wrong place or in the wrong hands? And, and, and sometimes uh, there is some bureaucracy in it, but it's not so simple uh, as a problem. So the ownership of the assets is another obstacle that uh, you might find in your business uh, to yeah that, that can prevent the speed of uh, of uh, leveraging this tool like 3D and reality. Um, it also has to do with the attitude of companies. Uh, some of them are more risk takers and, and, and like to uh, maybe try and. and you know, share and, and maybe uh, less be less um, conscious or, or, or yeah, um, protective on, on where the assets end up. Um, but it is a real problem to to have to be able to protect uh, your uh, your property. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, uh, like spot on. Like organization of these assets and traceability, of course, as well as being able to share the the content are like two main uh, takeaways i would say for being able to reuse the 3d asset uh, and paulo if i may like add on here what you just mentioned and not just for ikea but we're very much like involved in the fashion industry as well here and we talk with some of the leading brands um, and this is like a very big challenge for all these brands uh, specifically in the digital product creation value chain where the 3D model get, gets created and gets approved for production. But then what happens? Like, how can we re reuse this 3D, these 3D assets? How can we share them? How can we col collaborate on this 3D content across all our teams? And this is like a very big challenge that the fashion industry is facing today. And, and this is like something that I believe is a big opportunity. Uh, for like several companies and here I'm talking about uh, maybe design hubs is like well positioned because we actually have been developing a very com competent uh, and scalable 3D viewer with extreme high quality product visualization and now integrating this technology through a digital asset management system that would enable, you know, streamlining the whole value chain from content creation, management and publishing aligning all the teams together. So how do you think, how much of an importance would you think that uh, this is going to play? Uh, and again, to tackle these two, two points, so being able to share the content across teams and manage the content, and as well as protect the content. So having like this single asset of uh, true, uh, like a source of truth platform, basically, how important uh, is it in your opinion? And how would it help you know, in the evolving uh, tech world, when it when we're bridging this with fashion and digital transformation. Yeah, I mean, definitely in in a, in a short sentence, it is super important. It is a very uh, yeah critical topic for people to be reassured on and also to actually build upon. And, and I think this is going to get even more challenging with the disruptive impact of uh, AI, of Gen AI. 
and, and I, you know, because because now, uh, well, first of all, more and more consumers are getting used to multiple realities. Yeah, so so that's a way of living nowadays. You know, starting from the metaverse to uh, you know augmented reality, mixed realities, and so on. Not even only, gaming. Even gaming, yeah. So and not only consumers, but also co-workers, right? uh, people in the business. So. Uh, I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder um, how uh, AI can be a boost in, of, of augmented reality and 3D uh, thanks to the ability of, of all of them to work with, with visual with content um, and also to their reach into the creative space. Uh, we, uh, and, and also Course, I'll come to the, also to some risks that I see, uh, but uh, in terms of positive or, or uh, potential or you know business potential, I think this can be a disruption because um, yeah, the, the, the sheer definition of a 3D asset, uh, when uh, with its you know accuracy and other features, uh, can be questioned when I when I have a tool. That at just the launch of a product can create uh, a three D asset, or uh, whether it is an image, a video, or whatever, uh, with a, in very in a very realistic way. So then, who owns what, and what is the you know, what is the definition of the asset itself? Uh, there are also the maybe the dark side, or uh, you know the, the risks of uh, of um, yeah threatening. AI threatening uh, the, the 3D or AI-based business model in, in that uh, the, the suspicion, the confusion between fake realities and, and, and uh, mixed realities and, and real realities, if I call it like that, uh, becomes blurred or becomes even more, uh, more uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> let's say, distant from or new and confusing for people. Um, there is also a shortening, a shortcutting of the connection between people and their imagination, right? So, so I I don't know how uh, this will turn out, but for me, um, it it starts with the idea of who owns this content and ends up in another world that that it's now difficult to to really to frame because it's such. In a, in a high speed of change, uh, I don't know. Yeah, if you already have uh, experience, certainly you can get a boost if you can generate, if you can inject AI into the generation of content, three uh, D AI content um, or VR. Um, but I don't know if you have already started playing with this. We haven't been in touch uh, more, more recently. Yeah, uh, great point, uh, Paolo. And uh, we actually have, uh, we actually have experienced, uh, you know, and starting playing around as well as experiencing these tools that enables you to create 3D models, either like text to 3D or providing a couple of images to this a Gen AI tool and for it to provide you the actual 3D model. So yes, we have <coughs> used it and, uh, you know, see, seen the output of, of these uh, technologies. Um, it looks like promising from an initial standpoint. However, when, as you know, like when we're talking with big brands and retailers here, the main, and you remember when you were at IKEA, 
one of the key requirements and the key requests for big brands like IKEA is to have extreme high quality and true digital twins of these products. So being able to mimic the physical product in a digital environment. Unfortunately, today, the technology such as Gen AI doesn't enable us to reach this type of quality yet. And um, I don't know if it would at some point in the future, maybe in the next three to five years. And the, the way we see the approach that we're taking at Design Hubs is using these technologies like Gen AI to, be, to actually help 3D artists to create a much more efficient workflow to cut down 3D modeling time and hence operational efficiency and cut down cost to 3D model. And by using these technologies, we will be, we will be capable of reducing the 3D modeling time and cost by more than like 60 to 70%. But we, like, we don't see um, like Gen AI replacing 3D artists specifically in the like fashion and the retail industry where these big brands require to have very, very high quality of product visualizations, like high quality 3D assets. And this is today not uh, achievable with the current uh, Gen AI technology. Uh, so yeah, this is to answer a bit your question on where, where we are today. Uh, and, that's, and then, yeah, uh, like uh, a bit about this, uh, this topic. Um, and maybe like, do you have any, any points here on, on this topic? Yeah. Uh, do you want to add anything? Yeah, let's say I have a, my personal opinion. You know, I think we discussed this in the past. Is that um, to, you know, although you probably now have an advantage because you go for high quality and um, and that's still considered quite important. I think there is a risk that in the long run, this let's say aim for perfect quality might actually uh, slow down. And, and become uh, in itself an obstacle. So I wouldn't be too obsessed with um, perfect images, even from an IKEA perspective. I don't work for IKEA any longer, but I, I still see um, that maybe the strive for perfection is only visible, or the super perfect quality is only visible uh, by a few very educated eyes and the mass consumer can't even see the difference, you know, if you go over a certain, a certain uh, quality level. Um, I, I might be swearing to, you know, into a, a, a place of, of lovers of, of uh, top quality uh, 3D, but um, I, I'm, I'm trying to put myself always in the mind of the many consumers. Uh, will they be able to tell the difference, especially since they are looking at things uh, through a, a very small screen. Yeah. So, you know, it, what impact uh, compared, what is the break even between investing on perfection of images and uh, speed of development, cost of development? So that's always a balance to keep in mind, in my opinion. Um, and also uh, another thing that comes to my mind is to uh, always stay curious and, and with the new technology, try it on, see if if it's uh, you know remaining flexible and and uh, dynamic uh, to embrace new technology when it comes around because these windows are becoming shorter and shorter, uh, and uh, yeah, if you get locked in in your own technology, you might have actually uh, a problem later. Um, and this applies to 
every contract. Uh, so not uh, not only thinking about the design times here. Um, but still, the, the digital assets remain extremely important. So I'm not saying forget digital assets. You know, every time you generate a new AI-based uh, thing, and, and that's it. Uh, uh, still, is their nature change? Can uh, Gen AI, uh, with its uh, ability to interpret context and visuals, and put them into into a certain environment, make the existing digital assets obsolete or, or less less available. Um, I, I can yeah. see some some questions by the way in streaming. I don't know. If yeah. Should... Yes. Uh, so uh, we can leave like the Q and A uh, for the like the remaining um, like five to ten minutes of, okay. of the call. Uh, but please, like everyone, feel free to type in your. Uh, questions and we'll go through them one by one at the end of the call and we'll try to answer all, answer all the possible questions. Um, so yeah, please feel free to type in your, your questions and we'll answer them at the end. Um, yeah, Paolo, definitely, like I agree, uh, always being, always having an open mindset and always be curious are like some of the uh, key qualities uh, of any organization and if you really want to stay uh, on top of your game. So I totally agree on that. And you know that this is one of our, um, I would say, missions as well, just to really always focusing yeah. and staying ahead. Uh, so now taking like a bit, uh, talking a bit on the side here, and uh, you know, you're a leader uh, in digital transformation. Uh, and uh, like, I mean, you spent more than 14 years at IKEA leading their digital transformation. And now you're like the CIO at Bolton, or Bolton Group. So you have like an amazing experience and expertise in this field. And as you know, uh, Paolo, there are so many organizations across the globe, and now talking about fashion brands, for example, that are struggling a bit with the digital transformation and going a bit deep here on the 3D digital transformation. Because now, before the, desi the designs were used to be hand sketches, now they're using like Glow, Browseware, and other type of 3D engines to create their designs. And there is a, a lot of conflict within internal teams as well, trying like to go like innovate or stay, you know, with old processes. So uh, I here want to get your uh, opinion uh, as a leader in digital innovation. Uh, what key qualities do you think are essential for driving su successful digital transformation in large organizations? Yeah. A great question, great question. I think there are a few, uh, maybe just before uh, diving into them, one um, overall perception I have is that um, many companies are, are still too slow in, in, and too, I don't know, afraid or uh, sometimes paralyzed in, in, in uh, embracing digital transformation. So this, this internal resistance or, or uh, um, yeah, uh, you know, lack of confidence uh, becomes an obstacle in itself. Uh, so maybe that leads to, uh, to something that I think is, is really important, which is that companies need to increase their digital maturity, their curious, you know, curiosity and, and the, the ability, the even the internal competences to understand what is happening. And, and here I'm especially talking about 
traditional big brick and mortar company, in fact, companies, yeah, the, the, long, the, the longer history you have, the harder this is, because you have uh, the majority of the team uh, that has grown up and, and been successful in a brick and mortar environment. And you know, most of them struggle to understand the potential of new technology. So this is one change, uh, one important change aspect that people in my in my role need to foster within an organization to, to help people understand that um, in, in this type of world, at this speed in which the technology develops, uh, we need to experiment much more. We need to try out. Yeah, and, and I think again, what, what you, you mentioned, our experience together with the Al Suleiman, you know, just to give to share some background. Uh, I got to know Design Hubs uh, in during an accelerator program that uh, the Al Suleiman Group launched, uh, and Al Suleiman Group is very connected to IKEA, as the exclusive franchisee in the region, and um, and you know that that was uh, a great a great experience. Because also we, you know, that helped and forced in a way ourselves to think differently and and, uh, and and try to put together an experiment in a very short time, and, and you know that was feasible. So you know, we managed to overcome most of the obstacles and, and you know, make make uh, simple uh, versions of of the IKEA products uh, appear online in a, in a different flavor in a in a three D. You know, in uh, fashion, uh, many companies struggle with that, even with the experiments. They have lots of hurdles in business case approvals and so on before they are actually able to uh, authorize a trial of, of that, you know, of that concept. Uh, I, one of the brands uh, in the Volcom Group, not, people don't hear about the Volcom Group deliberately because we don't talk about it, we talk about the brands. Yeah, but and we do have some uh, cosmetic brands, for example, that could uh, uh, really uh, well in which let's say there is a trend starting of try on virtual try on of makeup and things like that, and and uh, I can can feel also here the resistance to try these new things. I think fashion, in my opinion, is is in that indeed extremely slow in adoption of these possibilities. Um, and um, I have some friends working in fashion, and I can see that they are so still rooted in the old fashion, in the old, you know, old way of doing things with, uh, yeah, with lots, lots of lost opportunities. So I think it's about change of culture. It's about uh, experimental, uh, and, you know, putting, well, having the, the guts to, uh, to try out things project that you have not experienced before um, in an innovative spirit and and see the result and then evaluate and uh, you know take your take stock uh, something is not going to work fine you learn you, learn, you never fail um, <clears throat> with those principles I think we, you know the industry all the industries that can benefit from this can yeah, take speed and be more conscious to choose certain certain technologies, certain routes, or certain partnerships uh, to their advantage. The last thing you should do, because everybody is doing a digital transformation, every single company, right? So it's not a matter of if I should do it or not. 
right? It, it's how how I do it in my way. What is the idea way of digital transformation? What is the bottom way? This is what companies should look for, not just saying, well, it, am I, should I be involved in this? Will it impact us? That's not, that's not a productive question. Yeah, incredible insight, uh, Paolo. Thank you for sharing that. And again, it's really about uh, like education. Uh, and again, starting from the top, like really from the executive level, executive positions and going all the way through the organization. And as you mentioned, each company would use it and would implement it based on its own principles and cultures. And that's the only way actually to do it. And, and the final point you mentioned is that at the end of the day, all the companies would have to go through this digital transformation or else they, like, they're not going to exist in the, at, at some point in the future. So, so yes, uh, thank you for sharing this, uh, uh, this insight. Um, Paolo, do you have anything you want to share before we start uh, answering some of the questions here, uh, the questions of the audience? Do you have anything <coughs> that you want to uh, discuss or share with the audience? Um, well, the only thing is, is because you mentioned uh, the role of executives and, and sponsors, you know, it, I, I see them as, as sponsors. So to work with um, with executives in, in decision-making roles in companies uh, is extremely important because the way they talk and uh, you know and uh, yeah <coughs> liaise with people uh, is going to give a strong message to whatever uh, can be considered as important or not. So uh, to to educate. So to say, at that level, it's, it's, it's really important, and I do see that executives are becoming more, even you know, outside technology fields, are becoming more curious uh, because they hear they're bombarded with uh, the impact of technology. Uh, but that can have also confusing. Like I don't know, six months ago, uh, everybody was talking about metaverse. Uh, now, nobody's talking about metaverse, and everybody's talking about AI, and it's only six months. Right? So you can imagine the person that doesn't understand either of them because he's busy with or she's busy with something else, uh, they are going to get really confused and say, okay, you told me just six months ago that, that it was the metaverse era and now. Someone's talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. I completely agree with you. Uh, again, having an open mind. And being always open to you know new technologies and what's in the market, um, it's like it's always beneficial. And staying like uh, keeping a curious mind, curious mind as well. Um, so, like we have a couple of questions from the audience. Uh, maybe we can start by uh, uh, by by Paul. Uh, Paul Mango uh, is asking you, Paolo, uh, from your experience, what innovative strategies? have proven most effective in capturing the attention and interest of new customers when introducing augmented reality experiences? Hmm, interesting question. Um, it's, I, I cannot say that we have had, um, that I've had a direct experience with this because at least in the way, talking about IKEA, in the way we uh, deliberately uh, introduced this uh, has been a little bit more silent or word of mouth based um, than than marketing the 
<clears throat> the introduction. I think more recently, uh, you can see that Venezuela is talking about that, but still in smaller circles than not in the mainstream. Um, then, if I open open up to, to more um, more companies, I think uh, really the, to show to the, to talk about uh, real consumer value is for me the main the main the main way. So in the end, consumers have to go beyond the gimmick, right? To say, well, oh, fine, nice. I, now I, I can turn, I can spin a product around or display a product in my own environment, in my own space. Um, they, they can do it once or twice as a game or as a gimmick to show their friends, but it doesn't stick unless you make it part of a real life experience. And, and I think, uh, Nadine, you would remember the, the effort we did in, for example, embedding that into the, the, uh, the app, where during your journey, we, we, it, was, you know, it was a short life project, we didn't really dig deeper into that, but if you make it part of your journey, of your shopping journey, for example, uh, it, it sticks much more and um, it, it connects to the, the purpose of the customer why, of why the customer is going through that journey. And, uh, and then probably the result is that they wouldn't even realize that they're going through this experience. Uh, it's just, they just say, well, if they're telling a friend, uh, they're, they're maybe talking about the total experience more than, oh, I've seen this product spinning around or, or displayed in my room. And so that's, that's uh, maybe, yeah my answer to embedded into the real life journeys yeah definitely and making uh, like making it seamless uh, through the consumer journey uh, the consumer shopping journey uh, yeah. for example uh, thank you paulo uh, moving on uh, pascal has a question asking you paulo do you have any advice for retailers who still haven't followed the trend uh, of 3d and ar um, well, yeah, uh, this is uh, maybe a bit easier, at least from my perspective. Um, for me, this, the, the best advice is uh, you are taking a big risk. Uh, because uh, if something can be done, if I simplify uh, my, my experience or my view, uh, is that if something can be done, it will be done, right? So you can wait at your period that, um, yeah, uh, to, to see what everybody else is doing. But once that is working and it's successful, uh, well, you're out of the game. So for me, it's almost like a survival uh, advice. Yeah? Uh, be curious, be there, uh, shape the way it fits, uh, this technology fits your business and, uh, and try to use it and, and try to make it happen. Um, not taking a passive approach and just wait and see is basically saying abdicating and saying well i'm out of, i'm out of this and, and then taking a higher risk of being out of business yeah definitely i completely agree with that uh, and also there's there were so many use cases where you see different companies uh, actually like Le le like being left behind because they were waiting for others to use certain technologies and then uh, it worked for for the other companies but they were too late to the game and they were left behind and they haven't 
capitalized on these opportunities. So yeah, completely agree with you on that, uh, Paolo. Uh, maybe now, uh, uh, so Mohammed, uh, yes, uh, we'll actually be sharing a recording uh, of the session after, <coughs> and we'll be sharing with, with all the attendees. Uh, a question from Raya, what is the most important impact AR and virtual try-on can have on brands that adopt it? I think, personally, I think the most important impact is is to um, make it, well, make them, help them skip in some steps and be more immediate. So it's a sort of instant gratification, even though, even before you buy, right? The instant gratification goes a long way in uh, making people uh, act on their impulse, right? So if you can shorten that distance, and say, well, I feel like I'm having I'm having these eyeglasses or makeup, whatever, uh, you know, fit to myself. Uh, well, that's it already in gratification, even if it's just on the screen, right? And from then, from there, from that starting point, it's easier to make the jump into a conversion. Uh, I think that's the the biggest potential I see. <clears throat> So bringing consumers uh, one step closer to the product and yes. removing the doubt from the online shopping journey. Uh, and then this would actually increase the conversions, as you were mentioning. Yes, yes. I, I remember, uh, but this is, I don't know, apart from the surface, this might have nothing to do, but uh, I, I used to be, I used to play Aikido, or you know, practice Aikido when I was uh, young. And, uh, and they, one of the techniques that the master would, would use from time to time is to close your eyes, well, look at the, the, the one technique, close your eyes, and see yourself doing it, right? And it's amazing how it works. Well, if you can't see yourself doing a certain technique, you, there's no way you can do it. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you can't see yourself, you can already do it, but it's a, a necessary condition, right? So I think it's a very similar moment. When you see yourself with your, these glasses on, you, you have a different perception, and then you are much closer to a decision. And that, that's uh, just one metaphor. Uh, I can, I can yeah, but very, very nice, uh, very nice example. And it's basically, it's like owning the product before actually owning it. Yeah, that's right. Perception of owning it before actually owning the physical uh, yeah. product. And this is what AR and virtual Tron actually does. Uh, I, I uh, see a, an interesting question from Richard. Yeah, uh, I was about to. Uh, okay. I was about to uh, mention that. Uh, so, uh, from Richard, um, what are the uh, upcoming trends that go beyond simple view in your room? Example use cases with multiple products or models. Yeah. Yeah. And here, actually, uh, that captured my attention. Thank you, Richard, uh, for sharing. Uh, because I can see, I can share an example that I, I know about an uh, IKEA you might have heard about, which is really going beyond that. And already with Design Hub at the time, we did play with multiple products, and that's one scenario. But what they did now is to acquire a company called Geomagical Labs, uh, in which uh, basically, there is an AI-powered interior design because, in the end, uh, the concept behind this is you have to listen to the customer as usual, the consumer, 
uh, needs. So when the consumer is trying out a piece of furniture in their space, right? They are, what they are actually doing is um, to well, their need is to have a better home, is to have a better you know uh, design of their rooms, and and so now the this this tool that they are just launching uh, can actually scan your room and map with your preferences and uh, and use of course the, the digital assets that uh, they have fed the room with the, the tool with and um, and and then make an entire design of your room set of your room, uh, room. Uh, even you can even use it to delete existing products from the image uh, which is technically more difficult to do than uh, because the, the tool has to recognize that's a chair and, and take it off uh, but now it's possible and and uh, and then uh, you know help the users beyond just one drop just one item and say well how many of us are interior designers not, not so many right uh, so what they really so some use some most consumers that you need is, is not only uh, do it yourself and place a product but give me some ideas give me some inspiration of how i can transform this room uh, using whatever assets you have and uh, displaying them in a, in a logical and let's say realistic way <clears throat> that's one yeah. use case yeah uh, and i believe i, I remember that uh, we were at this transitional uh, stage when we were part of the accelerator it's as you mentioned when I ikea acquired actually this company uh, geomagical labs i think uh, yeah uh, very interesting use case um, we do not have any further questions uh, from the audience. Uh, Paolo, thank you so much uh, for, for being here. It was really a, an amazing session, um, outstanding information that you shared with us and with the audience. Really enjoyed the conversation, and we hope to, to have you again sometime soon. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great, great time. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Follow us on our LinkedIn page to stay updated with our news.